Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. The ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is this 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 is views from Street. Now. Here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another rousing rendition of the Views from Mitch Street podcast right here, coming from the heart of Panthers country, Greenville, South Carolina. I am your host, Rob Brown, my co-host, executive producer on the other side of the metaphorical glass this afternoon, the wonderful Lonzo Wrightsell, Cleveland. Comes in to the bank, 26, 24 winners over the Panthers. And I will start Lonzo by very simply saying it's just one game. The old Belichickian way, it's just one game. It is one game, but to say that this loss was anything but a heartbreaker would be a lie because it was. Yeah, absolutely just one game, but a game that at least one guy really wanted to win. And I'm not sure he was given all the tools to do that. We are going to be talking, obviously, about Baker Mayfield. 16 of 27, 235, a touch and a pick, sacked four times for 28 yards, a QB rating of just under 85 on the day. And look, we're going to get into a lot of the X's and O's over the next 42-ish or so minutes. But I think you absolutely have to start by saying, it certainly did not feel like this offensive line was better than it was last year. It certainly felt like a lot of the same problems bubbled up to the surface. Once again, we talked a lot about icky. We told you in the last episode, there were going to be growing pains on the left side of the line between icky and Brady. No doubt about that. And it's just unfortunate that the first round of growing pains on the left side of the line between icky and Brady came when Miles Garrett was over there. We also said that if the Browns won this game, you could chalk a lot of it up to Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney as big reasons why. And so, frankly, that's exactly what happened. They just destroyed the offensive line at the point of attack, especially early in the football game. And by the time that Carolina recovered, they were down 10 at the half and having to play come from behind football. See, I think that's a key, and I'm going to be a little more positive about that aspect. It could have been worse. And going up against this defense with Miles Garrett and with uh, Jadavian Clowney, especially Clowney, uh, because early on he was blocking all of Baker's passes. I mean, and the thing is, if you go up with up against someone and practice a ton, you understand what their tendencies are. You know uh, they have tells. You know when they're going to throw the ball. And Clowney knew whenever – um, that Baker Mayfield was going to throw the ball. And you could tell because he anticipated and he was able to block some balls. And when it comes to Aquanu, 
You can look and say, yeah, he failed several times. Yeah, he did. But he's going up against Miles Garrett, one of the best, at least top three, got to be top three, top four uh, pass rushers in all of the NFL right now for a couple years. And the fact that uh, in the second half, you didn't hear from nearly as much as you did in the first. Now, is that because he got tired? Is that because uh, Cleveland backed him off? Or is it because they found a way to uh, not stop him, but contain him a whole lot better in the second half? Let's get to let's get to this to start because again we're going to talk a lot of X's and O's over the course of the day but obviously we would be remiss if we did not talk about the calls at the end of the football game because they were we're not we're not going to be those guys are we? we're going to start this podcast off talk yeah we are we yeah are. no gonna, I'm gonna, gonna, I, you, gonna I mean that. you don't have to go with me I'm I'm I was there before you got okay, there okay good. I say I'll walk this path alone if I need to. Yeah, we got screwed. All right, got hosed. That's all that it comes down to. We got hosed, and I, I've I've heard some people already saying, "Well, you know, that's 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 just an excuse." No, no, no. It's a reason, right? It's a reason. There are there are major differences between between excuses and reasons. And I've said this on our show, the Rob Brown Show, 9 to noon on thefanupstate.com many, many times. Excuses are when something that happens within your control happens and you let it. Reasons are when things outside of your control impact the situation. Officials making not one, but two bad calls late in the game. Those are reasons you lose. Those are not excuses. That's a that's the direct reason. There is nothing you can do when the officials are blowing or not blowing the whistle based on the actual rules of football. A minute 13 left on the clock. The Browns get the ball. They've got no timeouts. They trail 24-23 after the Panera go-ahead field goal. And Cleveland gets the ball gifted to them at their 40-yard line after officials called a roughing the passing uh, roughing the passer penalty on Brian Burns. I have gone back. I have watched that penalty multiple times and I don't see it, man. I don't see it. Listen, the helmet came up under the helmet of Jacoby Brissett. I'm not arguing with that. But he was being blocked by the running back in that situation who kind of pulled him backwards into Brissett. The arm was outstretched. When the contact was made between uh, between the defensive end, Brian Burns, and Jacoby Brissett, when the helmet contact was made, Jacoby Brissett was still throwing the football, right? Roughing the passer comes after the pass has been thrown away. Let me tell you how bad that call was. That call was so bad that Skip Bayless and I agree on it. Wow. Yeah. Lonzo, I'll tell you, I don't agree with Skip Bayless on anything. And if Skip Bayless and I do agree on something, I frequently change my position on the thing so that I don't agree with Skip Bayless. Because if Skip agrees with it, it's probably wrong. I Skip Bayless said that Baker's team got absolutely robbed, quote unquote. And he did. That call was atrocious. After the game was over, referee Brad Rogers in the postgame pool said, quote, it was called because there was forcible contact to the head and neck area. Uh, yeah, he tackled him. Or was in the act of tackling him. 
when he still had the football. Like, I'm in the point now where, and I've never been this guy, right? I am I am for the targeting call in college football for safety purposes. I am for not being able to, uh, not allowed to, to, to punch quarterbacks in the head. I'm for all of it. But my guy, unless you are about to start calling this two-hand touch, that hit cannot be a roughing the passer. It just can't be. Yeah, the the uh, TV announcers at the time, they were completely shocked. And, of course, the crowd's going to be shocked. But I think the uh, the entire refereeing crew was shocked because they had that look on their face. They had no idea what to do. And it may, it's week one. Is it too early to have a crew investigate it and say, hey, you know, here's what I expect to happen. I, I and it may or may not happen. I expect a good old NFL apology. We got that one wrong, Carolina. Sorry, which means nothing. It doesn't. I don't know why you got to have a big old conference if it was obviously um, roughing the passer. Why do you need every referee over there to talk about it? Yeah, it, it, I mean, they. I, I feel like they knew that. That, it that wasn't. means some of those guys didn't agree with it. You don't have a discussion if everyone goes, yes. You shouldn't need to have that discussion at all. You shouldn't need to have that discussion at all. The hit was, I I didn't think it was blatant. I didn't think it was for, I mean, it was forceful contact, but it was a, it was a, it was a hit, right? It was a hit. It is. It it just kind of is what it is. Uh, So that call was absolutely atrocious, and I'm not the only one who said that. McCaffrey said afterwards, quote, it was a horrid call, Burns play, end quote, and it absolutely was. Now, he went on to say, quote, we can't put the game in the officials' hands. It's our job to not do that. Look, I got news for you. It's the National Football League. The best teams are only a few degrees better than the worst teams, and the worst teams are only a few degrees worse than the best teams. There are going to be games... In fact, a lot of them that are one-score football games. Any score that is three or seven points, the game is in the official's hands at that point because one blow of the whistle can absolutely change uh, the game, can absolutely change the game. It's not that we shouldn't allow the game to be in the referee's hands. It's that very frequently in the league it's going to be, and you should be able to trust the officials to get it right. 13 seconds left. It is third and one from the Panthers' 40-yard line. Jacoby Brissett took a step back before spiking the ball. Carolina argued the combination of moves should have resulted in an intentional grounding, which obviously would have resulted in the 10-yard loss and a 10-second runoff, meaning that had been snapping at the 50 with three seconds left to play. Will Brinson tweeted out, Rule 8, Section 2, Article 1, Item 4, in case you wanted to look it up, you don't. But in case of the NFL rulebook, pretty clearly states you cannot fake spike, then actually spike. The rule says a player under center is permitted to stop the game clock legally to save time if immediately upon receiving the snap, he begins a continuous throwing motion and throws the ball directly into the ground. A passer, after delaying his passing action for strategic purposes, is prohibited from throwing the ball to the ground in front of him, even though he is under no pressure from defensive rushers. That is to say, you either spike the ball immediately or it's intentional grounding. I have watched this play 50 times since last night. Brissett drops back, fakes the snap, takes a step back, then stops and comes forward and spikes the ball. Now, I'm not necessarily 
as angry about that one as it, as I am uh, the first one. But Jacoby Brissett, after taking the snap, very clearly looks over at Cooper before going, nope, that didn't work, and spiking the ball. That's literally the rule. Literally the rule. And I hate to open this with 14 minutes of, here's how we got screwed by the officials. <clears throat> but we did. Yeah, and of course, another conference. So these guys uh, were not in in the referee huddle to know what they're talking about, but I, I'm just guessing they're going, was that against the rule? I don't know. Do you know all the rules? No, I don't know all the rules. What do we do here? Um, well, I guess we just don't call it. Let's just, yeah, it's not a penalty. The official said in the pool report afterwards that, quote, uh, the step back, quote, did not disqualify the quarterback from spiking the ball, and we allowed him to do that, by the way. Yeah, we know you allowed him to do it. You allowed That's it. That's literally yeah. the problem, <laughs> Mr. Rogers. That's literally the issue was that you allowed him to do it. Um, the rule says, once again, official, you should know this. Immediately upon receiving the snap, he begins a continuous throwing motion and throws the ball directly into the ground. He didn't do that. He took the snap. He brought it up. He took a big step backwards. He looked out to his receiver because what he was hoping was that Cooper was just going to take off on a fly route down. The DBs were going to be caught asleep thinking it was a spike, and he was going to throw it over their head. But because the Carolina Panthers know you can't fake spike anymore, right? Because even if you spike it and they run with the DB, what's the worst that happened? They're, they're a little more tired than they were before, I guess. They knew stay with the receiver in a spike situation because they can't fake spike it anymore. And you just, you just let them do that. That's unbelievable. It's that a, is a, a a huge failure on behalf of the National Football League. It's okay. The NFL also will send another email going, hey, <laughs> our bad. Apology, addendum one, also another apology. Sorry we screwed you twice when you were trying to put a game away. That's yeah, on us. yeah. It's, it's still a loss. You know, it still counts as an L, but, you know, it, my, it, was, it was probably our fault. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it's, it's, it's disappointing because that game was won. The game was won. I mean, maybe, maybe they go deep and catch a miracle. Who knows? But roughing the passer that wasn't earned them all the way out to the 40 going in, and the fake spike allowed them to try a, what, 58-er instead of 68-er? Nobody's ever made a 68-yard kick. That game's won at that point. The, the NFL record is 66, and it was barely there. But they weren't getting 68. It just was not, not with a rookie kicker. It just was not happening. They had that game won, and it was ripped away from them from the dudes wearing stripes. And to answer the question you haven't asked yet, dear listener, yes, I am very salty about it. Well, the thing is, though, it's just game one. It's just one game. Yeah. Do you let that affect you the rest of the year? I hope not. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So what lessons do we take away from this game? Uh, number one, blocking Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett is really, really hard to do. All right? And, and I got news for you. The Carolina Panthers aren't going to be the only team that struggles blocking Clowney and Garrett. All right? They're just not. That's a really good set of defensive ends. In fact, it is to the point that I have seen Panthers fans on social media over the past, what, 22 hours since that game ended. We're recording this Monday afternoon, about 1.30 in the afternoon. In the last 22 hours or so, I have seen a lot of Panthers fans going, same old problems, right? Same old offensive line, same old issues. And yeah, it is the same issues. But to say there's not a different feel, I disagree. You got to keep in mind, it is a brand new offensive line. Some of the same guys but we're playing in different positions. Uh, Pat Elflin, we talked about his, him on our show earlier. Four botched snaps between Pat and Bake. Four of them. That is four too many. In an NFL game, if you have one, it happens. If you have two, not a great day at the office. If you have more than two, you just have a problem. And you disagreed with me on this earlier, though. But I absolutely mark a part of that up to... When you don't name a guy your starting quarterback until after week two of the preseason, when you have your guy going in there and playing eight or nine snaps at most against a live full tilt opposition defense, you're going to have mechanics problems. And I think this was very simply a breakdown of mechanics. We do have to mention that Matt Rule said a number of weeks ago that Bradley Bozeman was going to be the starting center. I thought he was out of the boot and ready to go. I don't know if this was a decision or if there was just more to that story than we thought there was going to be. Either way, I don't think that Baker and Pat had enough time to get on the same page to prevent mechanics breaks downs. And in a game, though, where literally one play was the difference, to have four botch snaps is a problem. All right. I put part of that problem on Baker and part of it on F-line. Uh... Probably probably more on F-line than Baker. But, again, Baker is a little nervous, a little hyped up. He didn't act like he was in the first half, but you could tell he was. He wanted to beat that team really bad. And some of it was – it could be lack of repetition, but I think it was more about nerves. I think that's going to uh, – it's going to ease in the games to come, but it may not be F-line that's centering the ball. As far as the line blocking itself – I thought they did pretty good, especially once uh, once you, they got into the second half. Yeah, that first half was rough, and it was going to be. And it and the and the Browns are going to do that to a lot of people, and they did that last year too. They're not a horrible defense. They've got some really good players, and it takes a while. As someone who used to play on the offensive line, it used it takes a while to gel as a line. And practice helps, but it's not the same as in a game. 
They're going to get better each week as they go. Uh, once that thing is completely solidified, I, I hate seeing the quarterback uh, center exchange being a problem, but it wasn't just this game. It was happening all over the NFL. Yeah, and again, it's week one, man. We've talked about this a lot of times. Almost every single football coach that has ever football coached is going to tell you the biggest improvement that any team will see is between week one and week two, right? Because it's not just, you can't simulate live action like game day, right? Uh, I had a conversation with a former South Carolina Gamecock before the season started during preseason who was like, you know, the NFL just needs to scrap preseason, right? Like just have these guys go out and do a full tilt scrimmage against each other on an open field at a facility three times and then be ready. And and my argument was, no, you need preseason. It is the best you can do to simulate a game environment without having a game, right? Without having a game that counts. This is exactly why. This type of thing is exactly why. Let's talk about, very briefly, the other side of the football. Let's talk about the defense because about eight, nine, ten minutes into this game, I think we kind of all had the thought of, well, the defense is going to have to carry us, right? Because the offense is taking time to get its groove, to find itself. And they did, but the defense has to carry us. Look, here's the silver lining. I don't care what team you talk about. The Carolina Panthers will not face another duo of running backs as good as the two they faced on Sunday for the rest of the season. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are two really good backs. Either one of them would start on pretty much any other team in the league. There are some teams you're going to play against that have a really good one back, right? Leonard Fournette at Tampa looked good, or at, uh, at Tampa looked good against Dallas. Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. Mark Ingram's not the guy that he used to be. Just a reminder, Kareem Hunt was a starter for the Kansas City Chiefs, and then they let him go uh, because of circumstances outside of football. So it isn't like he hasn't been a starter before. So technically, you got two starters back there. 100%. 100%. That's the best one-two punch you're going to see. You're going to get a spell against other teams, right? When Fournette comes out, you're going to get a spell. When Kamara comes out, you're going to get a spell. You're not going to face another one-two back. That being said, I don't care who you're playing. I don't care who the starter is. If you let a team average 5.6 yards per carry on the ground against you, that's a problem. NFL teams do their darndest to get to an average of four yards a carry. That's kind of like the target mark is between 3.8 to 4.2 yards per carry. That's the target mark. You gave up well over a full yard more than that per carry. That's icing, man. That's just that's just free money for the Browns. That can't happen. And again, you know, we talked about this this morning. Cleveland's probably a better team than we're giving them credit for. And this is not, oh, they beat us, therefore we have to talk about how great they are. They just are. There's a reason this team next year with Sean Watson is going to be a playoff Las Vegas odds on favor. I am I am sure of it, right? Yeah, to to that end, if Deshaun Watson was out there, there were some passes that Jacoby Brissett in the first half left on the carpet yep. that Deshaun probably hits. Yep. Oh, we lose by a touchdown and a half if, if, if Deshaun Watson's the quarterback here. But that's kind of the point. When we broke down over the last two pods – 
when we broke down what we saw, what we expected out of Carolina's schedule, this game had to be won. Had to be won. If you want to get to that 8-9, and nine, preferably 9-8 nine and eight mark, and I think both of us said nine games is probably wild card quality, right? You want a wild card spot, you need nine. This had to be one of them. Had to be one of them. It has been 84 years since the Cleveland Browns won an opening week game. This had to be one of those wins. And again, we got screwed by the officiating. I'm not going to not say that. But you don't help yourself when you allow 217 yards on 39 attempts. You don't help yourself. Listen, Jacoby Brissett did not have a stellar day. We've all talked about Jacoby Brissett. 18 of 34 for 147 and one touchdown. That's not a great day. That's a relatively pedestrian day in the National Football League. The problem is that Chubb went for 141 and averaged 6.4 when he touched the football. Hunt went 46 and a touch, averaged 4.2 towards the upper end of that target mark. That's not good enough defensively for the unit that we thought was going to be the heart and soul of this team, the front seven. So they had real problems stopping the Browns rushing the football. All right, so last week... Uh, I forget which pod we were on when I talked about this, that it was after the last preseason game that I was concerned about the run defense. And then they went up against a team with really good run defense. I mean, run offense. And the defense had to had to try to stop them. And they really, really struggle with that. It's going to be a problem going forward. I don't know what you do to fix it. Except for... Maybe you score enough points to where that particular offense has to abandon the run. I mean, that's one way to get them to curb back on the running is if you're ahead by a couple of touchdowns. Maybe that's maybe the best defense in this case for the Carolina Panthers is to score more touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, typically, uh, and I'm going to go John Madden on this, typically a really good way to win football games is to score more points than your opponent. Like, that's a typically good way to do it. Uh, however, the inverse is still true. It's also to stop them from scoring as many points yeah, as you but, do. Yeah, but listen, if you're up by 14 points, that team is not going to run the ball nearly as much. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, it, it, listen, if you go back, you go back, the, the score of the first quarter was 0-0, right? Put seven up on the board. It's already a different game. You put up, uh, you, you allow them to put up 17 in the second quarter. You went down in halftime. You went down into the locker room by 10. If you flip that score and you come out of the tunnel up 10, then all of a sudden Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can't do as much, right? Like the whole game plan for the Cleveland Browns was to allow Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb to carry the ball enough that they never had to rely on Jacoby Brissett. Right. And then what happened late in the game when they did start to rely on Jacoby Brissett didn't look like they were guaranteed a dub. In fact, they needed to get bailed out by a couple of whistles in order to steal that dub away from Carolina. If you can flush that out earlier, score a couple more or stop them from scoring one or two more. It's an entirely different game in the fourth quarter because now Jacoby Brissett has to go out there and win the game. You didn't you didn't create a situation where Brissett had to win the game 
which is which is I mean disappointing, honestly. So, you know, what do we want to see next week? I'm going to start with Lonzo. I need more aggression out of the front seven. I mean, Brian Burns and company have got to attack. I'll tell you who I really appreciated was Xavier Woods, who had, I think, 10 tackles in that game. Brian had eight. Jeremy Chin had seven. Uh, LeVu had six. So did Shaq Thompson. JC and Derek Brown had five. I need Derek Brown. I need more out of him, too. If we're being honest, I need more out of DB, but to me, you've just got to shut down the run game right now. If you can't do it against Cleveland, what are you going to do? I mean, Daniel Jones ain't great, but he's better than Jacoby Brissett. And if you can't do it against Cleveland, how are you going to stop Saquon with DJ throwing the ball better as an available option than Jacoby Brissett? It does definitely pose a problem, and it goes back to what I what I'm talking about. I'm sure we're going to get to this in a moment, but you score more points, and then Daniel Jones has to beat you, and and I'm better with that than Saquon Barkley beating you. Hashtag correct. Hashtag very correct. Hashtag most correct thing said so far. I'd rather DJ do it with his arm than Saquon do it with the tree trunks he has of legs. But in order to make that happen, you have got to stop Saquon from blowing you out early. The second thing is, and again, it's one game, so we don't necessarily know what the rhythm of this Panthers offense is going to be. But if it is a team that takes a handful of series to get into their rhythm, get into their routine... You got to give them time, right? You cannot allow that team to control the time of possession. And the Browns did early. If they control the time of possession, it means that your offense is not getting out there, is not spending the time necessary out there uh, in, in, in order to, to develop that routine, in order to, 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 to develop that rhythm that they need to get there. And, yeah, but there's some what ifs there. There's there's some what ifs. What if part of this is the fact that Baker was going up against his old team, and the entire team felt that because the entire the entire Panthers team knew that that's what they were doing, and I think there's a bit of nerves there. And the other thing is, it's the first game, and there was a big difference between the first half and the second half for the Panthers. I don't disagree with that either. Uh, take a stab at this. So let's let's play the views from Mint Street Home Edition. 60 available minutes. What was the time of possession for the Carolina Panthers in this game? 20. 21 minutes and 34 seconds. That means out of every three minutes of the game, Cleveland owned two full of them. You can't do that. You can't do that. It it means that they're running the ball well on you. It means your defense is, is staying on the field too much. The higher their time of possession, this may shock you. I'm really good at math. It means the higher number of minutes your defense is having to play. Part of the reason they retired at the end is because they were out there for 40 actual minutes of game time. That's too many minutes. It is. You got to cut that in half. You really do. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, last few minutes, we're going to talk about some individuals from this game. And, uh, I mean... I, I, I just... I, I, don't, I do want to interrupt. My name's on this thing, too. I do want to interrupt. <laughs> all right, it's one thing to be... To talk about all the things that uh, that were a problem. We haven't touched on all the things that were a problem. And one of the major problems, we did talk about how how they had to come from behind. Why did they have to come from behind? All right, so I watched the Twitter trolls. I watched social media, wanted to see what everyone was saying. Everyone coming at Baker, those guys, by the way, they shut up in the second half, and here's why. In the second half, he was actually able to play. In the first half, the play calling was atrocious. It was horrible. I don't know what was going on. And here is a major problem going forward. If you are afraid to play Christian McCaffrey, you're not going to win any games. Talking to the Panthers, that is your best weapon. If you do not use your weapon, yeah, you don't need to use it as much as you did last year. I get that you're tentative. You don't want him to get hurt. But when the dude touches the ball, even when he's not supposed to touch the ball after uh, Baker fumbled a snap, Christian McCaffrey picks it up for a long run. You don't give him the ball, you're not giving your team a chance to win. You're not. The, the play calling in the in the first half was terrible. In the second half, it opened up a little bit more, but you still, I get why you have to abandon the run, as we talked about, when you're behind. But you don't abandon Christian McCaffrey. And do the Panthers have a screen game? I didn't see one. Do they know what a slant is? I didn't see that. You know, that takes care of an aggressive defense, which is what they were dealing with, especially in the first half. They could have negated a bunch of that with better play calling. And yeah, game one for the play caller too, but that play caller has called a lot of plays in the NFL for a lot of years, and I just it just really, really bothered me. Uh, sure, I will address that. Thank you for asking. Let's start with CMC. Dude had 14 touches on the day. Ten of them were runs. What did he do with ten runs? 33 yards. 33 yards. That's what he did with ten runs. I'm not giving the ball ten more times to a dude who's getting me barely three yards a carry. I can't do it. All right. How many plays between times did he get to run the ball? It doesn't matter. It does matter. It doesn't matter with CMC because, as you have mentioned, listen – I understand the concept of you can't win the game if CMC doesn't touches the ball doesn't touch the ball. You know what else prevents you from winning the game? CMC on the sideline because a blade of grass cut his knee and he's done for the season. Are you are, were you okay with the play calling in the first half? I didn't love it, but the answer to me wasn't give more to Christian McCaffrey. All right, all right. how about give some? They give, did give some. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't enough. Fourteen times. Wasn't enough. They ran what? Uh, Forty-eight plays. I mean, he touched the ball thirty percent of the time. 
uh, is that you can't do a whole lot more. Uh, this guy gives you yards after the catch, especially in the passing game. This guy will help you make drives last longer so your defense isn't on the field for two-thirds of the game. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Until he busts a wheel, until he gets a an ACL popped or an MCL. And I, I understand, and I'm assuming you're coming from the mentality. If I'm wrong, correct me. But a lot of what I've heard so far is you cannot treat CMC with kid gloves. You can't go out there and be afraid to let him have touches because he might get hurt. Well, I right. got well was he on a pitch count? Was he was he on a play count? I didn't hear I of anything. So. I didn't hear of anything about it. I just you gotta. He looked pretty good. He took Dude, some major hits. He looked pretty good. He touched the ball over one out of every four plays. Like, I, what do you want? Half the plays go to CMC? It's not just about the injury at that point. It's that if CMC's getting the ball half the time, I know how to scheme against that. I believe last year he got it two-thirds of the time. Yeah, how'd so that if, go for him? So, so if he got it half the time, that's still cutting back the time, and it's better than what he got this week. How'd that go for him last year? I'm sure you, the listener, agree with me and disagree <laughs> with Rob Brown. At the Rob Brown Show on Twitter, at Lonzo on Word on Twitter, you are welcome to chat and react with both of us on the social media. Uh, look, I get it. I understand it. It is easy. If it, it is easy to say CMC needs the ball more. It is also easy to say CMC has played in one out of every three and a half games for the past two seasons. Did you did you see a screenplay? Did you see a slant? Did you see a delay handoff? Did you see any of that oh, stuff? If you want to argue that the way he touches the ball should be different, totally fine. I'm talking about play calling, period. No, I agree. In fact, I, I want to say, and I, I don't have the number in front of me. I was I was trying to write them down last night, and then when I came to work, I left my wrap-up notebook because I'm good at my job. Uh, I, I, I was looking last night, Robbie Anderson, I don't remember exactly what percentage it was, but like a significant chunk of Robbie Anderson routes were outside routes, right? We're like five and out, 10 and out, seven and 15 out. We're out routes. This dude ran an inside route that he took to the house 75 and cooked the entire defense. And I don't think I saw, but maybe one more interior route from Robbie Anderson again the rest of the day. Why? Why not? In fact, the best route you had was Ian Thomas on a little seam route that went for 50. If that's Robbie Anderson, that's a touchdown and then some, right? Now, granted, it was out of the tight end spot, but if what, what, what if Robbie's in the wing spot right there? What if he's in a slot receiver spot right there and runs in, folds up the seam, and then cuts to the inside? I'm talking TD after TD. I will not argue with you. That the play calling was not great. I will not argue with you if you want to say that of the 14 touches for McCaffrey, uh, there should have been a couple of screens, maybe a bubble here and there. I got no issue with arguing that. That's what I'm saying. Calling was bad. That's what I'm I'm saying. saying. Don't argue for CMC to touch the ball more because I can't risk his knee blowing open if we want any chance at a playoff spot. Still got to touch the ball more. I I mean, so uh, so for the entire season, he's only allowed to touch the ball twenty to thirty times. Nothing else. Twenty is my max. Twenty is your max. Twenty is my max. I uh, I I, I'm not with you on that. I, I can't I can't do more than that. I can't trust his knee. I can't trust his back. I can't trust his health to carry more than 20 times a game. And again, I want to go back to, I know I've said this like three times on this pod, but I mean it. That doesn't mean I can only have him on the field 20 or 22 snaps. He can be on the field all 50 snaps. 
You just can't go to him every time. You utilize him as a threat, as a decoy. And you pay attention to what's happened play after play. I'm going to line him up in the backfield. I'm going to snap the ball to Baker. I'm going to have either a fake handoff or I'm going to send McCaffrey out on a little screen, a little wheel out to the flat. And he's not even on the rotation for me unless he's just an emergency check down, right? What I want to see is, do they send somebody with him? Do they send their best linebacker with him? Do they walk up their best cornerback and take him off of DJ or Robbie or Shy or Terrence or whoever? Don't mention Shy because he only was on the field like once. Yeah, we'll talk about him a little bit if we get time. Uh, do you send your best CB out there to cover CMC? Because I may change the game plan based on that. When the Saints had Reggie Bush back in the day, Reggie Bush touched the ball maybe 18 times a game, maybe 19 times a game, as explosive as he had the potential to be, maybe. But what he did do was about seven, eight, nine, ten times a game, they faked it to him. They used him as a decoy. They sent out. And once they recognized that the defense started shading away from Reggie Bush because he wasn't ever getting the ball, they threw it out there and they popped him. One. They got him out on the screen one-on-one. ISO with a cornerback. ISO with a linebacker. And let them cook for a TD. That is what you should be doing. 14 actual touches is fine. 20 is the max. But you can throw him out at 30, 35 plays. And let him serve as a decoy to draw the better defenders away from the interior of the field. And now I don't have to run Robbie Anderson on out routes every other play and not be able to utilize the speed that cat brings to the table, which is wildly frustrating. You're just shaking your head at me now. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, yeah, I know. I, I realize that doesn't translate, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I just, I just disagree. I, I, I just enough. do. So what do you guys think? More CMC, less CMC. How do you want to play it out? Speaking of, since we're talking individual guys, uh, obviously it would be remiss to mention, or to not mention, 16 of 27, 235, uh, a touch and a pick for Baker Mayfield. First quarter and a half Baker was really bad. was really bad. Second half Baker, dramatically better. Uh, In fact, we were, in fact, I was watching, Deshaun Watson's passing coach tweeted out at the end of the first half, there's the Baker we all know and love. And I'm like, what kind of jacket? What? What? He's been working with him. What? What? And then, anyway, he came out in the second half uh, and looked much better. Moved the ball more efficiently. Understood when it was time to pull it and run. Like, I, I second half Baker shows up for both halves. Panthers win that football game. Uh, I saw people, I saw Panthers fans already giving up on the guy. I saw Panthers fans already writing Baker off. Uh Uh-oh, oh oh no, we suck again because Baker didn't know. Guys, week one, and they can say they didn't, but don't tell me Miles and Jadavion didn't have a little something-something for Baker Mayfield. If it happens again this week against New York, then we can push the panic button. But until then... Woosa. No, that's not going to – I mean, that's what football is. It's about emotion. You're supposed to – this is my team. I'm going to get into it. I can't believe they did that. Oh, look, I knew they were going to do – I mean, it's it's a roller coaster. I know it's cliche, but that's exactly what it is, and that's why we love football so much. Oh, I very much love football. I very much love football. I, I, I The only thing I like more than football is um, <clears throat> winning football. It's more fun that way. Uh, I thought Baker was – Fine. Thought Baker was adequate, right? I agree. Second half, second half Baker, so much better than first yeah. half. But I think there were a lot of circumstances in the first half, like 
getting completely destroyed by Miles Garrett yeah. and Jadavion really was a problem. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I thought Robbie Anderson proved that he needs to be a bigger part of this offense, right? Like I, I and part of what happened the last couple of years when he's been so inconsistent is I think I think Robbie's a little frustrated because he really is utilized as an out route receiver and he should not be, right? Like he should be utilized as a speed guy, as a guy that can cook DBs. And he's really not. And I, I know it's got to be frustrating him because it's frustrating me and I'm not him. And I'm frustrated for him. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to see, I'd like to see more of that. Uh, I would very much like to see maybe a few more McCaffrey touches, but a, a really, really smart about how to do it. Here's the other thing that really got me. Carolina rushing attempts. You ready? McCaffrey had 10. DJ had one. Dante Foreman had two. Chuba Hubbard had one. 19 rushing attempts. Now, granted, you're playing from behind. I get that. But 19 rushing attempts, 54 yards. Ain't good enough. Ain't good enough. I need more Hubbard. I certainly need more Foreman. And if you're going to run McCaffrey, come up with a better scheme. But to have Foreman and and Chuba Hubbard sharing three total combined touches... That ain't going to get her done. It's not. That's not good enough. I need, though, the rushing identity of this football team to establish itself because right now it just does not have one. Would you consider those three guys more uh, get to the outside kind of rushing or up the middle? Because they're more get to the outside. So I, I get why you wouldn't call that many plays, especially with the pressure coming from the outside from Cleveland with their defensive ends. Um, if you're having trouble blocking them, you're probably not going to run right towards them. Although, why not give it a shot? Yeah. Dante Foreman goes 235. He's six foot 235. He's a bowling ball. He can take it, uh, you know, a- a- at least off the tackle and see what happens. Chuba Hubbard is 6'1", 210. I mean, he's not the thickest dude in the world, but you can run him off guard because here's the other thing. If you get a special, and, and this game's in the past, there's nothing you can do about it now. But if you've got two defensive ends that are pushing up the football field, you know what happens when a football player leaves a position? Nobody's there. Nobody's there. Run behind the defensive end. If 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 Jadavion and Miles Garrett are going to push it, the Saints would be a great team to try this against, right? Because you know, you know that Cam Jordan loves to push up the football field to try to disrupt the passer in the backfield. Use these guys to run it off the back hip of the defensive end stick it into the hole where he just cleared out from, cut it upfield. You had three combined rushing efforts from Foreman and Hubbard. You, you know, That's not you know what you're talking about. It's something called creative play calling, something that the Panthers did not do, especially in the first half. Fair enough. Just saying. Fair enough. So there you go. Early breakdown of this game. We will cut another pod tomorrow. That pod will drop on Wednesday. It will be the conclusion of our thoughts on this game, as well as news, notes, injury reports, and more from this week. Then, on Thursday, we will cut our pod previewing this Sunday's matchup when the Carolina Panthers have their first road test. They will be at the Meadowlands taking on the New York football Giants on Sunday. So tomorrow we'll cut a pod that will drop Wednesday with this week's news and notes. Thursday we'll cut a pod. It will drop Friday as our preview 
for this game against the New York football Giants. And then, of course, either Sunday afternoon or Monday afternoon next week, we will cut our reaction pod to that game as well. Any final thoughts for the people, Lonzo? Yeah, just uh, just those guys out there who are you're, you're in a place, bring it down a couple notches, man. It's one game. It's one game. Just think of second half. Don't think of first half and how the offense and defense looked in the second half. It's not the end of the world. It's just game one. It's just one game. It's just one game. It's just one game. That is it for us, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for liking and subscribing to the Views from Mint Street podcast. Make sure you tell your friends, your family, your coworkers, if you know a Carolina football fan in your life, make sure you share the Mint Views from Mint Street podcast from them. We would love to have you for Lonzo Wrights. My name is Rob Brown. We will see you back here in a couple of days for the next episode of the Views from Mint Street podcast. Keep pounding, baby!